I'm here in Bendigo at the 24th Symposium of Australian Gastronomy with its convener, Councillor Jen Alden, and one of the committee members, Kelly Donati. Kelly, I'll start with you. What's gastronomy when it's at table? Well, I d- define gastronomy as um, the rules around how we eat well. So the values that we associate with eating well, they can be either at the table or they can be on the farm or they can be in the kitchen. But it's about the values that we hold important in terms of thinking about how it is we eat well and with pleasure. And the theme this year has to do a lot with eating well in a way that is, does well for the land as, as well. So it's about pleasures that aren't entirely personal, but extend to communities and the land. Jen, has this, you delivered a fabulous paper this afternoon about one of the early Chinese cookbooks produced by a Bendigo man. What's been the excitement for you about the symposium? Well, there's been so many aspects to the symposium, and I think it, it, it really does... Uh, reflect the breadth of gastronomy. And uh, I know that putting on a councillor hat, when we uh, were accredited as a UNESCO creative city of gastronomy, we came out with four themes that we felt were relative uh, to it, which was the uh, uh, Indigenous uh, contributions to our, our food system, the uh, cultural and innovative legacies around food, the health aspect, and also sustainability and a future climate. So a lot of considerations that, that came into uh, interpreting the theme that we came up with, which of course was based on Luke Slattery's book, Reclaiming Epicurus. An ancient, could an ancient philosophy of happiness save the world? So that was suggested as being an appropriate theme that we then um, worked into the reclaiming happiness, an Epicurean garden, simple pleasures and a sustainable future. So therefore you bring in that sustainability element because we need to talk about the future as well. That's right. The, the, the striking thing today, which is, uh, and this is done on the, at the end of the first day, has been the breadth of the discussion, which really does look at sustainability, at the future of the land, at the future of the earth, and the future of peoples and the way we eat. And there's been quite a lot of nostalgia looking back at the way things were, and fingers crossed, as it were, for the gastronomic future. Kelly, what have you, what's been the most exciting thing for you about planning for this? Oh, I think I've always enjoyed putting the program together, which is uh, what I was helping with on the on the committee, because you just see such a broad range of um, perspectives and voices and thinking about how they kind of fit together as a, as a puzzle to help explore the different themes. And e- even though we have an overarching theme, each day has its own kind of theme. So I've really enjoyed sort of thinking about how the different papers kind of can be in dialogue with one another. And that certainly happened today. And it's been lovely. We had a wonderful smoking ceremony mm. because we're on Jajawarang country. And a lot of discussion about the Chinese presence in Bendigo. And Bendigo has been, was a very Chinese city in the 1860s and onwards. And it's, it's been reclaiming its Chinese heritage, partly through the museum and partly through papers like yours, Jen. 
And there is that gastronomy legacy, and um, that's touching on that, um, the Roy Gee Chun's um, little cookbook uh, as being instructive for people who didn't understand or learn about that aspect of history, not only in Bendigo, but in Australia too. So this is part of the, the gastronomy conversation is to look back at our cultural influences on food and beverages, and, and the cultural aspects are so important. You'd agree with that, Kelly? Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing in thinking, in looking back, we are also looking forward into the future and talking about these issues like climate change and how do we eat well and into the future. And I think that the the thing that I guess the Jajororong perspective brings us is a way of thinking about if we want to eat well, how does the land need to live? You know, what kind of life does the land live, the creatures that live on it? And can we maybe think about, you know, how, how, how do we feed the soil well or how do we feed other animals well or other plants well? So really kind of, I guess, extending maybe gastronomy beyond, you know, the kind of human dimension and thinking about what's needed for a garden to flourish, what's needed for a, um, a regenerative farm to flourish. So these are all gastronomic questions for me. And there have been some very interesting papers too in terms of Australia's first colonial gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a wonderful paper this morning by Jackie Newling on colonial gardens, which, and that was a lesson in trusting your sources and mistrusting your sources, mm-hmm. because she she referred to Watkin Tench, whose diaries of the first fleet are the most often read, but also found that what he said was in direct contradiction with letters and other diaries. Mm-hmm. And so was he writing to, to please an English audience that wanted to believe that Australia was the worst place in the world to be? And so there have been those unexpected pleasures too. So far, what's been your favourite paper? I'm talking to Jen now and putting her on the spot. <laughs> Kelly, you can well, answer so, this. Well, we, it's interesting because there's the themes, even though we did notionally allocate the, the, the themes across three days, of today being the Epicurean Garden, being at a farm um, with a Chinese legacy, but tomorrow, simple pleasures and talking about ferments and the you know simple food, and then on, on Wednesday, talking about sustainable futures. But we've been weaving some of that in um, right through. How many people... People have mentioned today simple pleasures. There's been quite a few good papers, and I'm hard pressed to pick one, Rita. But certainly, um, the theme of happiness and questioning what it is that will make us happy. I think that probably came from uh, Kelly's paper on pandemic gardening, um, and I think that for me probably was a standout for the day because there's so much to be learned from that. It's a really contemporary study of 9,000 people, and I think we we really got the finger on the pulse of our community community in a pandemic with that and it's really unique. Mm. That's right. Kelly, your paper was all about the effects that uh, gardening had on people during the pandemic Mm. and your studies showed that gardening saved people Mm. in all sorts of ways. That's right, yeah. Um, Giving them food to eat was only a small part of it. Mm. Yes, yes, that's right. And not just in the pandemic, the stories that people shared were beyond the pandemic, pre the pandemic, you know, as I mentioned, stories of bereavement and, and illness and, and all sorts of really, uh, you know, quite moving stories about, about how gardens or gardening keep, 
keep people alive spiritually and, and, and emotionally. So the garden was, you know, during the pandemic, an incredibly important place. And those people who lost access to their gardens were, you know, in some cases quite bereft. Yes, mm. they, they would have been because a, a garden becomes part of your identity. Mm. It's what you smell. It's what mm. you touch. It's mm. what you see. Mm. Yeah. And it's often what you eat. That's right. If the possums let you. I'm from a Melbourne garden. (laughs) (laughs) What was so touching were the people who were recovering from cancer who said that being in a garden during the pandemic gave them time to heal. Mm, Yeah. Yes. And also I think what I found surprising, and I guess it's because I'm fortunate enough never to have have experienced the, you know, the, the experience of, of, of having cancer, but that people felt that if it hadn't been for the lockdown, that they would have gone back to work. And you think, you'd think that having cancer would be the one time where you'd say, okay, actually, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll stay home and recover, but the, the kind of constant pressure to get back to work and not have the time to take care of yourself and heal. Except it's a very hard thing. How do I take time That's right. to, to recover? Oh, yes. What do I do that heals me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and the answer's given during lockdown That's right. if you have a garden. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you said, it was around time. That's right, yeah. Mm. It comes down to having time. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing that gardens teach you about time and seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, and and there was this different temporality that was um, that that people tapped into that was about the seasons, about the life cycles of different you know creatures, uh, plants, animals. Um, people really were connecting to those rhythms um, and really enjoyed and found it deeply pleasurable, but also healing. And I think those things can go together. Mm. Um, to be to be tapped into that and to connect to that and mm. to and to nurture it and care for it, I think people found found that very powerful. I think mm. I think they do. Yeah. And it also reflected the vulnerabilities of our food system mm-hmm. um, and coming back to sustainability and climate um, changes. Um, that. Uh, similar to the the bare um, supermarket shelves, um, I remember going to the nursery to get some seedlings, and and honestly, you couldn't get many mm-hmm. at all. And what they were selling were, were basically tiny, two tiny little leaves that should have been sold six weeks later. Um, but they were so bereft of stock because everybody had raced out, interestingly, thinking we'll have to grow our own food. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to create our own supply chain. Mm, yes. Mm. I was surprised actually by, we got, we got some respondents from people who were in remote Australia and I had never thought of this. Um, again, you know, my urban kind of uh, centrism, um, but, you know, they, they, they're sometimes 200 uh, kilometres from the nearest supermarket, so growing food for them is, is also part of their food security because they, they, they can't just, you know, run down to the yeah. shops. It's not a nice thing to do. It's a necessary thing That's to right. do. Yeah. Hmm. So garden people garden for all sorts of different reasons. And they 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 come down to all being necessary on one level or another. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that the pleasures of the garden are what make make it such a powerful thing. Yes. Because it's it's what keeps people attached to it. Um, and it's interesting coming back to the concept of time and um, relaxation and how often do you then find that people, whatever it is that they do to relax, often describe it as a way of they, they lose sense of time, whether mm. they're being creative in other ways, but very often in the garden, and I find that too. So it's something that puts you into a different state of mind and mm. that comes back to um, the discussion about in the pandemic, people had time and maybe that was uh, another part of that, um, how they were spending that time allowed for some sort of 
of um, revitalisation in mm. some way. Mm. Yeah. I think we might leave it there. Okay. And we Can ha- I say we- my favourite paper? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I do have one. I really enjoyed uh, Vicky Swinbank's oh. um, uh, presentation on uh, the role of women's knowledge in preserving seeds, um, in, in agriculture, in... Um, in, uh, and the connection between the kitchen and and the land. I thought it was a really lovely um, piece that was uh, uh, very well thought through. Are these going to be published? Well, she's actually got a book which is called... Um, oh, ah, it's in the bio. Um, uh, we can, oh, something we can... about food matters. Um, Yes, we can maybe put it on the... Okay, that would be great. Yeah. And we yeah. can, do, uh, if there's a book, we can talk to her about that. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, fantastic paper and a really important book, I think. Thank you both very much. Okay, thank, thank you, Rita. You, Rita.